all of the stats show that the American church, believers in the American church, are ignorant of their Bible. They really don't know what their Bibles say. So we're, we've chosen to commit a couple of times a year at least to take a book of the Bible and go through it chapter by chapter. And that's what we're doing here in second, going through Second Timothy. You'll remember from last week that the author was the apostle, or is the apostle Paul, and he's writing to a young Jesus follower named Timothy. Uh, Paul originally met Timothy, and you can read about it in Acts chapter 16. Timothy was a was a young biracial, biracial, biracial. He was relational to us. Biracial. His dad was Greek. His mom was Jewish. He probably spoke Greek and Hebrew. And uh, Paul took a liking to Timothy and brought him under his wing to be discipled. And so the this letter, Second Timothy, is a is the second of two letters that he wrote to Timothy, and he. And you will, as you go through it, you'll see that, that it's pretty intense. Um, you, can, you can tell that, that Paul is, it's, a, it's an intense time for followers of Christ. There's a lot of persecution that is going on. Paul is in prison for the, for the second time whenever he wrote letters, and this time he it's coming toward the end, and he knows that he's, or he feels like, that he's not going to come out. And I encourage you to go back and, and listen to the message from last week, and um, because he gave, he gave Timothy some really important information through this, through this letter, and we saw yesterday that he said, you need to have a generational mindset. It's not just about you, it is, you need to focus on passing on what and using what God has given you to pass on to others. He said, fan the flame. That's the, the verse that we got uh, from, for the name of the, of the series or whatever. He said, fan the flames of the giftedness that God has given you. And we need to do the same thing. So last week, we saw that he encouraged him to have a gener generational mindset. And it's a really important message that we won't take time to preach to you again, or preach for you again today. But today, we're going to look closely at chapter 2. And it begins with another encouragement to Timothy during this complicated time in which they were, they were living. Again, followers of Christ were not just, they didn't, they weren't just coming to a church and fist bumping one another. They, every day had, there was possibility that they were going to be arrested and persecuted. And Nero, at this time, the tradition says, history says that he was taking Christians and he had blamed them because he had, of of Rome being set on fire, and he was taking Christians and putting them on poles and setting them on fire to light his parties. So it wasn't a 
time like I'm trying to get you over your hangnail. <laughs> it was an intense time for followers of Christ. And here's what he says with this awesome encouragement. He says, hey, Timothy, and you can follow along in your notes. He says, you have what it takes to be strong. You have what it takes to be strong. Look at how he says it in, in the first verse of chapter 2. Timothy, my dear son, this generational mindset that he had, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You can hear Paul's, him encouraging Timothy to, in the truest meaning of that word, encouraging, he was pumping courage into Timothy. The first chapter he says, God hasn't given you. I know all of this stuff is going on. I know it's complicated, but God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And then he's going on and saying, be strong, Timothy, because you have what it takes. God has given you what you need to be strong. And God is telling us the exact same thing today in the complicated times that we live. And then he, he says, be strong. You have what it takes. God has given you what you need. He, he said it another way in, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, when he said, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in your mortal body. Isn't that awesome? Now, it's one thing to hear those words from a young, good-looking preacher. <laughs> it's, it's another thing. If you come across somebody who has been through it and bears the scars of being through it. His, he'd been in prison multiple times. His body was weak, but Paul's character and his courage is as strong as ever. There's a big difference between hearing a history teacher talking about a war and listening to a soldier that had both legs blown off and has all kinds of scars all over him. So I'm, I'm asking you to envision Paul pumping encouragement into this young follower of Christ in intense times. God is using Paul to speak into Timothy and to into our lives and is saying hardships and possibly even persecution is coming. But you have what it takes to be strong. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Greater is he that is in you than who is in the world. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Come on, receive it. You have what it takes to be strong. Then Paul goes on to say, we can stay there for a while, but we're going to go through the entire chapter, so y'all let's get ready. 
Paul goes on to say, always remember to keep the main thing the main thing. Look at verse 8. He tells Timothy and tells us, always remember that Jesus Christ, we've sung about it this morning already, already, descendant of King David, fulfilling all these prophecies, was raised from the dead. This is the good news that I preach. This is the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. Because none of the rest of what I say matters if this didn't happen. First Corinthians, Paul said another place, 1 Corinthians 15, 17, he said, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. That's become really popular for skeptics to, to say and to try to define our faith as belief without evidence. That's a, they say it's a blind faith. How can, you, how can you believe? But true faith is trust because of the evidence. So I want to give you just real quickly, this isn't in your notes, but just in case you've heard that and you don't have an answer for it, just know there is some evidence. Your faith isn't a blind faith. First, and four of these, four of these are, are um, th- truths or are, are evidences that, that history scholars, ancient history scholars, believe whether they're followers of Jesus or not. And then the last one is the most powerful. So you ready? First, Jesus, this is what all history scholars are the vast majority after all of their studies. Jesus was killed by crucifixion and was buried on in a borrowed tomb. Okay, so he was he was here, he was crucified and they laid him in a borrowed tomb. The second was that Jesus' tomb was found empty by some of his women followers. On that Sunday morning, his tomb was found empty. Third, there were many encounters with the resurrected Jesus. Now, there's those who are not followers of Christ they, have, they try to come up with all kinds of reasons, but there were a bunch of people that believed they encountered Jesus. Some were by themselves, and it gets really complicated when they say it was an illusion or something whenever there's over 500 at one point saw him. So there were a multiple encounters that people had with Jesus after they found his tomb was empty. And then fourth, these are, again, these are what history, scholars, people a whole lot smarter than me. The transformation, there was some transformations of several skeptics that didn't believe before 
that began to believe. One's like Saul. Was a did not believe in Jesus. In fact, he was going around persecuting followers of Christ. And all of a sudden, he encountered Jesus. There were several stories like that. Another one was, was Jesus' half-brother, James. Didn't believe until he rose again. Now, you get your brother believing something. <laughs> We could give some others, but the fifth evidence is even the most powerful, even though, and I pray that if you haven't experienced this evidence, that you will. It's a personal, a personal encounter or experience with God. Because whether you know the other evidences or not, you experience him in your life, it doesn't matter what other people say. It's your personal encounter. We good? So, our faith is not a blind faith without evidence. It is a faith or a trust that is based on the best explanation for the evidence that we do have. We could stay there for a minute, but I I want you to just see that we need to understand next that Paul teaches how to endure suffering for Jesus, not escape it. Paul teaches us how to endure suffering for Jesus, not escape it. If we're constantly trying to escape suffering, we're going to compromise our convictions and our trust in Jesus. And there's a real good possibility. I'm not speaking it into existence, but it's possible that we could start experiencing some of that for being a follower of Jesus Christ in the United States of America. Not just a bad Facebook post against us, but all right. Then he goes on to give three mindsets to help us endure. Three mindsets to help endure. The first mindset is of a, of a good soldier, of a good soldier. He says in verse 3, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Isn't that good? A good soldier understands that the mission is bigger and more important then comfort. A good soldier understands that the mission is bigger and more important than comfort. A soldier doesn't, doesn't expect that he'll never have to endure hardships and suffering. In fact, he expects there will be hardships and suffering. A good soldier wouldn't dream that he was enlisting into a little tiptoe through the tulip experience. There may be some soldier, but not a good soldier. He signs up for a mission, and he expects a fight that may bring some suffering, 
But the joy of the, the winning the fight, especially whenever you're guaranteed to win, let's do it. In the same way, a believer will never accomplish much for Jesus Christ if he's not willing to endure hardships in the name of Jesus Christ. They will give up as soon as something hard is required of them. Here's what Jesus, this is his call to enlistment. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if any one of you wants to be my follower, if you want to be in my army, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Isn't that something? Aren't you glad you came today? Be strong. You have what it takes to be a soldier. Here's what Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers from the 19th century, he said this about this passage. Paul, quote, Paul does not exhort Timothy to be a common or ordinary soldier, but to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. For all, for all soldiers and all true soldiers may not be good soldiers. There are men who are but just soldiers and nothing more. They only need sufficient temptation and they readily become cowardly, idle, useless, and worthless. This, is, this isn't me. This is Charles Spurgeon. <laughs> Going on, he says, but he is the good soldier who is bravest of the brave, courageous at all times, who is zealous, does his duty with heart and earnestness. God let us have the mindset of a good soldier no matter what comes our way as we follow Jesus. So Paul told Timothy, and he tells us, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier. Mindset number two, the mindset of an athlete. 2 Timothy 2.5 says this, and athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. A real athlete has to follow the rules. You got to know where the field, which one is your goal, right? <laughs> have all of these rules that you have to follow. And it's cute if you go watch teeny league flag football or teeny league baseball or something whenever the kids run the wrong way. But whenever they make it into UCA and they start running the wrong way, it ain't funny no more unless you're on the other team. Paul says to Timothy, let's grow up, Timothy. Let's run like an athlete. Be strong. God hadn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you the spirit of love and power and a sound mind. You can get through whatever the world brings your way or the enemy brings your way if you will trust in who God is and what he has for you. We must know and follow God's principles for life if we expect God's empowerment for life. Run like an athlete. 
We could spend some more time there, but it's pretty self-explanatory. We've got another mindset to say, and then we've got a couple of other things we're going to get through quickly. Otherwise, I'll experience some suffering from the children's workers. Mindset number three, the mindset of a farmer, the mindset of a farmer. Verse 16 and verse 15, and hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Verse 15, so work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains or applies the word of truth. Fruitfulness is enjoyed because of hard work, not laziness. Fruitfulness is enjoyed because of hard work, not laziness. We don't have to work hard to be accepted by God. Aren't you thankful for that? We accept and we trust the hard work that Jesus did that we sang about earlier for the forgiveness of our sin and the wiping away of our shame. However, we do have to be intentional and work hard if we're going to experience and enjoy the fruit and the abundant life that God has for us. He has rewards, and we won't be judged for our sin, but we will be judged as followers of Christ for our work. And we will be rewarded for our work. Talks about some folks are going to come in, and all of their stuff they've done is going to be burned up, wood, hay, and stubble. And others are going to come in, and it's going to be getting jewels like crazy. Give me some jewels. God help us to have the mindset of soldiers, good soldiers, athletes, and farmers. Amen? All right. Then Paul gives Timothy and us a few more practical reminders on how to have victory while experiencing suffering and persecution and hardships and the stuff in life. One was learn when to talk, how to talk, and what to talk about. <laughs> Starting with verse 14, it says this, Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless, and they can ruin those who hear them. Verse 16, avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. Isn't that some good advice? He goes on in verse 23, again I say, don't get involved. It must have been a problem back then as well. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. 24, a servant of the Lord 
must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. How many of you know some difficult people? If you don't, you may be the difficult people. (laughs) It goes on to say, gently instruct those who oppose truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts. Again, keep the main thing the main thing. God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Verse 26, then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. God help us to be wise with our words. We want to be persuasive, not divisive. We want to be persuasive, not divisive. Another practical truth he gives to help us whenever things get complicated and difficult and we have the possibilities of suffering and experiencing persecution is God's truth stands firm. His truth stands firm. I am so thankful that I have a solid foundation to build my life on, to stand firm on, instead of all of the confusion that's going on right now. God help us and help us have a generational mindset once again to think about our kids and invest into them the the truth that stands firm in the midst of confusion. Verse 19, it says this, but God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone. With this inscription that says, the Lord knows those who are his. He sees exactly where you are. And all who belong to the Lord, here's another little challenge, need to turn away from evil. Because there's all kinds of confusion, there's all kinds of difficulty, and you're going to get plenty of persecution that comes your way and suffering and hardships that come your way anyway. Don't add to it by (laughs) running toward it. I mean, my word. Which leads us to the last practical reminder of the chapter. And guys, y'all can come, Seth, y'all can come back. Pursue the right things with the right people. We need to pursue, and it's, it becomes more and more and more important as things get more and more complicated. Pursue the right things with the right people. Look at verse 22. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue or run toward righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. The direction you run and who you're running with makes a big difference. Youthful lusts have little to do with age. It has to do 
<laughs> it has to do with immaturity and maturity more than it does how many numbers make up the years of your life. It's called youthful lust because youth have an excuse for being immature. Youthful lusts are usually stimulated by emotions and or instant gratification. And neither one of those are conducive to good decision making. They will keep you like this constantly. Running away from what you need to run from is a lot easier when you know where you want to run. It's part of the athlete deal. Whenever you have, you know where you're wanting to go and you're looking down at the end of the field, that's where I'm wanting to go. And I may get hit over here and I may get hit over here and I may get over here, but I'm not going that way, I'm going that way and if I can get some good teammates that are going that way as well that can encourage me block for me some be close where I can chunk the ball to them if I need to let them get hit instead of me Whenever we choose to run the right direction with the right people, you have a whole lot better opportunity and chance of enjoying the fruit of the life that God has for every one of us. It's not that he has this for this person this for this person. He has this for all of us. We just need to run with Him. So, we're living in some complicated times. That unless there's a great awakening or the rapture of the church, that's my vote, Lord. Hear my vote. I vote for the rapture. Pull me on out of here. We're in a place where things could lead to some hardship and some suffering and some persecution. And I think it's imperative that we hear these words from that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul times that were a lot more complicated than what we're even experiencing right now when he said God hasn't given us the spirit of fear but of love and power and a strong mind listen you have what it takes to be strong Keep the main thing, the main thing 
You have a firm foundation of truth on which to stand. Watch your words. Run in the right direction with some the right people. And God has promised that His power will be there and His wisdom will be there and His peace will be there and His joy will be there. And if we have the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord gives us strength and the peace of God helps us to be able to rest. So if we have the strength of God and the rest that comes from the peace of God, we can endure whatever we have to endure. Amen? Amen. Let's stand this morning. My question is, in closing, before we take time to just worship, and I invite you to ask the Holy Spirit as we're worshiping to say, what are you saying to me through this message? And if, and if you're here today and you know that there's separation between you and God, don't make excuses for that. That won't be helpful. But come boldly to the throne of grace in your time of need. Say, Lord, here I am. I don't want to be far from you anymore. I thank you for the price that you paid for my sin so that I could be close to you. Please forgive me of all of my sin. I give you my life right now. I decide to run with you, and I ask you to empower me to live the life that you have for me to live. In Jesus' name.